my name is Doc. I am hosting a softball tournament in June. Actually, it will be June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the first weekend. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event to raise money for Mission 22 to help prevent veteran suicide. Because as you know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. I personally am a Mission 22 survivor. This June will be 15 years for myself from when I tried to commit suicide. So it's just in my heart to give to Mission 22. I would love for y'all to be a part of this tournament by giving donations. I can be reached by email and it's beard, B-E-A-R-D, bash, B-A-S-H dot softball at gmail.com. I would greatly appreciate as many donations as possible. And it does not have to be $5, $10. It can be 50 cents. All proceeds will go to Mission 22. Amber, what are you drinking today? I, Amanda, am still drinking beer because I have not yet made it to the liquor store. However, I have an apple pineapple beverage that's light and tropical, and it is a Texas brew. Oh, that sounds like something I would enjoy. I know that you would, and I feel like it'd be really delicious with some extra pineapple juice and then a shit ton of vodka. Everything's good with some vodka. That's just my personal opinion. (laughs) That does sound amazing, though. Like, I'm a little bit jealous. I really, I'll trade you a peach beer for an apple pineapple beer. Deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those peach harvest beers I I was drinking yesterday were delicious. I know, I can't wait to try them. Yeah, it's a local Arizona brewery, and they make this peach beer that's so good. Not as good as the Dallas Blonde, though. It's still my favorite. That's your jam. What are you drinking today, Amanda? Well, speaking of peaches, I am drinking peach vodka with ginger beer. There you are with your ginger beer. <laughs> ginger beer. Ginger beer and peaches, because it's been warm in Arizona. I'll tell you, I have yet to experience the ginger beer, and I'm slightly disappointed in all the time of our friendship. I've never had ginger beer. I'm surprised you have. You probably have and don't remember. That is a true possibility. <laughs> I've probably given it to you at some point in one of our adventures and you just are not remembering it. You know, I got to just thinking about this light and tropical beverage. We could probably add some Malibu to this too. And it would be a good oh. breakfast. Yeah. Breakfast booze. Yes. Cause I know I, you and your breakfast booze. I could get behind that for sure. I know you can. I know you can. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member is easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Cynthia Sepulveda. She served in the United States Air Force from 2002 to 2016 as a client systems technician. How are you... Miss Cynthia, and what are you drinking? I am good. I actually just got off work, so I haven't made it to my beverage. I'm almost saving it for tomorrow, you know, just like for the whole weekend. Right. So right now I'm trying to stay hydrated, 
and I'm drinking a vitamin water, but I am all about the rum. So I would really, really be excited about rum or maybe some type of like cider. I don't know. I, I it's going to be on tomorrow for sure. <laughs> I love that you're pre-gaming for your Thanksgiving day weekend. Yes. It's just, it, it, it's been that kind of year, right? For all of us. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> what flavor of vitamin water are you drinking? This one is called Focus. I like the pink one and I like energy. So yeah, I'm trying to stay hydrated. um, And, and, but again, tomorrow I love pineapple juice, rum, wine. Oh, have you ever put the rum into a bowl of pineapples? Yes, I have. I can actually also make sangria. Like I'm all about the mixed. I like all the flavors and I I will go into my kind of person. Like, oh, I, I, how you guys have we not been friends before this podcast? I have no idea, but if oh, you guys come up here, I will make it. Yes. We're coming to the Pacific Northwest because we're building a crew up there and we're super excited. Oh. We're going to have to have our own like little special meetup. Up there. I know. I like, know. Truly. Amy, Amy's she, in Washington too. She's yeah. in Trout Lake. Ooh. Yeah. We've got quite a lady crew being built up there. Well, who else? We just who did we just talk to that was from up there though? It was a gentleman, Wesley. That's where he's from too. Yeah, he's up there too. There's a yeah. There's a whole bunch of veterans up there. We have a big old bunch of us that are just gonna party for. Especially the Navy. Like, there's a lot of lot of. I was stationed up there for five years. Really? So, I'm pretty familiar with that area. Thinking about. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. Uh, Cynthia, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how your journey started? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm kind of a military brat. My dad was a Marine, but we stayed in California for pretty much till I was like 16. And then I grew up in all Southern California. And then we moved to Hawaii. So I finished my last couple years of high school in Hawaii. And that's where I decided to get as far away <laughs> from my family as possible. I, I, once I was 18, I was like, how soon can I get out of here? And I wasn't going to do the Marines <laughs> or the Army. So I was like, I, I haven't heard much about the Air Force. I think they might be safe. So I might go that route. So I decided to join the Air Force right out of high school from Hawaii. So that's pretty much what I did. I, I joined kind of open general you know, that was risky. Nobody's ever supposed to do that. But I got a, an IT job. So that's wow, worked out. Lucky. I'm surprised that your dad let you join. Yes. I'm yeah. surprised your dad let you join the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, fun he fact, encouraged it. Oh, yeah. I mean, at that point, we were just like, get away from me. He actually didn't even retire from the Marines until like 2009. So we had a little overlap. 
my two cousins joined the Air Force after me, and then my brother joined. So we were pri primarily a Navy and Marine family until I broke the cycle. <laughs> Cheers to breaking the cycle. Cheers. Cheers. So we've had a couple of different interviews where there have been people who grew up in military families. And I don't... I can't recall right now, though, if we've had like military brats that have joined the military themselves. What was that like for you as far as your growing up? Because I know, so my kid was in the military with me. So he mm -hmm. went to a couple of different places. Well, I was in San Diego the whole time, but he still had to experience different things where my family wasn't around. So what was that like for you growing up? It was pretty stable because we we mainly stayed in in California, which is where my mom's side of the family was from. It wasn't until we left for Hawaii that it was like, okay, now I feel like a military kid because I I went I did have to go to three high schools, but like elementary and all of that was with the same group of people. So I have two daughters and one actually just left for the Air Force on Sunday. She's like in basic training. I know. And so she was, I think, a full-blown like military brat in that we lived in other countries. Her dad was in the Air Force too. So we were mill to mill. And so, yeah, I think she for sure experienced it. And I think she was kind of like me where she's like, I want to get away from you guys. Like I want to spread my wings. And that's how I felt. I'm like, I want to be independent. I don't want you know, my parents to pay for my college. Right. And I mean, Amanda joined in 01 and Amber, yeah. you, you joined in what year? 04. 04. And I joined 02. So we're all in that same, like, right. you know, age group where we knew what was going on and we were like still going for it. So I think that's really awesome. It's well, to be in a fair, I joined in June of 01. So Oh, you're like, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know what was going on until it happened. But <laughs> that whole like mindset of, okay, so you're used, like you're used to moving around or, or making new friends and stuff. And I feel like a lot of times that kids who grow up military, whether it's dual military or someone who ends up retiring from the military, you end up joining the military because that's a part, I mean, that has truly become a part of who you are. That okay. is a part of your identity is traveling and, and having to adjust to new places and new things and new friends. But I mean, like you said, you were in California most of the time. So you had that, but then in high school, three different high schools. I mean, that's a huge thing. It's funny because so my oldest, he spent most of his secondary and elementary years, different schools. And mm -hmm. I made a promise to him though, high school, you're going to go to the same high school. Right. I, that is the one thing I will promise you is you're going to, when you get to a high school, that's where you're going to be at for the next four years. That's what I did for my kids too, because of how hard it was. I mean, with right. the three high and the high schools were in Los Angeles, San Diego, and Hawaii. And even from Los Angeles to San Diego, it was a big like shift. So yeah, I could totally appreciate that you did that for your son because I'm like, oh, it was rough. 
Yes. I mean, he's a fresh, he's a freshman this year. Mm-hmm. And so he's been in this school. This is his third year in this, in, in this school. He has started, he has officially started high school and that's what we're rocking with for the next three years. That's awesome. And it, but like for me, I'm not from a military family. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I grew up, I went to school with the same kid from preschool so I graduated high school, same kids, same family, same everything. And so yeah, I did the whole too. dynamic of having to learn and adjust to that. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a whole new thing and you do the best that you can do as a parent and as a, as a, someone in the military and as a veteran, you just, you, you learn things in the military and you learn things as a parent to, to make the best decisions that you can make. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. I'm getting super sentimental right now. Let's no. And then next thing you know, on. they're 17 and monsters or amazing. He's an amazing. He's not, Dave is not a monster. No, Don't Gabe say is that not a monster him. at all. He is like, like the best kid ever. I don't know how oh. that happens, but we're rolling with it. <laughs> 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 Yeah, he grew up school military too, but his dad retired from the military in California. So he's in California right now going to school because California has that college program. Where as long as he stays a resident of the state of California, he can go to any state school. So hopefully they keep that program and my sacrifice of allowing my son to go to high school in California pays off and he can go to a good school on the from the benefits of his dad being a retired California veteran, but we'll see. Tom will tell if he even goes to college. I don't know. <laughs> he's going to go. Mm-hmm. He's going to go. He's, he's got one more year. He's a junior this year, so he's got one more year. Yeah. Got time. So Cynthia, gonna- you kind of said why are you doing the Air Force and you were wanting to get away from home, from Hawaii, from your dad, from all of that. And Air Force was safe after living a life in a, <laughs> in a Marine Corps family. And you went in undesignated, so you didn't really pick IT. But how did how did that path kind of go? Like, how did you go from undesignated to, to IT? You know, they kind of just give you, once you're in basic training, they're like, oh, this is where your technical school is. And then you're just reading this job, you know, which for your, your guys' job, it's kind of, kind of straightforward. Like we know what an air traffic controller is. Badass, by the way. And then for us, it's like, well, for me. Cheers. Cheers. I'll take that. Cheers. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, I don't know what this is. And to be honest with you, that that career field changed many times. The name just says IT evolved in the military. So it, it wasn't originally called that. But eventually, about 2009, that's what they settled on it. And the first unit I worked with was an operations unit. So I worked with air traffic controllers. I worked with pilots. And I was like, I remember, oh, my gosh. The, uh, that printer, I'm like, you guys are air traffic controllers and I have to figure out how to load those strips on this printer. <laughs> I was like, this printer's from like 1984, you know, I'm like, what the hell? We're like, yes. a big, right? I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, oh they did not teach us that in technical oh. school. <laughs> I thought about that printer in probably 10 years. <laughs> 
<laughs> that thing is probably still up in the tower right now, right? Oh, like, I'm sure they are. Yeah, I'm sure it they is. Are. I'm sure it is. And then you gotta <laughs> you gotta pull them apart. You gotta slide them in the strip holders, and then when the knucklehead next, oh man, you like chuck the God, I'm back in flight data right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, you people are so, like throwing strip holders at each other. It's violent. It gets violent up in the tower. Oh yeah, oh. it does. Tower does get yeah. violent. I used to have to, so that was my first unit was, it's called in the air force, it's called an operation support squadron. And we had air traffic controllers, we had pilots. It was just, and then I was this like brand new airman E1, E nothing. Oh, and, and so I'm pretty hard. much like the one that fixes the computers as best as I can, you know, and that's a hard group. Oh my to God. Oh, they gave me some tough skin. I will not. I, I, there are some great things I learned. And I think one time I probably like, I, I don't know what I said, but the the E8, the one in charge the, in air traffic control was like, you would have been a good air traffic control. Whatever I said, he was just like, hmm. But they used to let me go up there. I, I mean, after they, they kind of like knew I was okay. And, and I was like, what, what do you guys want to call me? Because I think they just went by like their initials, you know? I'm like, what, what can I be called? I want, I want a name, you know? And they're like, get out of here. <laughs> what was your initials, Amanda? Alpha Lima. I was, I was Tango Delta. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because Alpha Foxtrot actually was have- taken when I got there. So I had to change them. Oh. Here's to operating initials. Yes, operating initials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Cynthia. So you did quite a bit of time in the service. Cynthia, since you did spend a lot of time in, in the Air Force, what were your duty stations and did you have a favorite one? You know, I spent just shy of 14 years and 10 of it was in Germany. Ramstein Air Base, Germany, which is the largest American population outside of the U.S. I know, right? So my first duty. We've been having a lot of yeah. I hope we have stories from Germany because we've been having some great in Germany. I guess we're really yes. Everyone that I tell that I'm like I spent ten years. They're like, how did you do it? So I spent my first assignment was there from. I got there about 03 to 06 and then I went to Korea and in the air force, if you go on a tour like that, you get your first choice follow on. And at the time I was like, well, I want to go back to Germany because I had someone there. And so went back to Germany and I ended up staying there for seven years. And it wasn't until 2014 that I finally PCS to the States, which was here at Joint Base Lewis-McChord in Washington, um, which works out great because it does remind me a lot of Germany. So my favorite base was Ramstein. I got there at 19 and it just had my first apartment there. My first like, well, not my first, several relationships, military relationships there. (laughs) And so I just think I just had great memories and it's where I grew up. I feel like I grew up in Germany. So when you said you wanted to get away from your family, you said, (laughs) bye, I'm going to a different country. (laughs) So far, as far away as possible as I could get from Hawaii. So I do have to ask, and this is a very important pressing 
question, one of the most important questions that you will ever be asked, as long as you know Amanda and myself. And this can go from your growing up as a military child throughout your entire life. Do you prefer the East Coast or the West Coast? The West Coast. Yes. Of course, without a doubt. I was like, I don't even have to think about that. (laughs) Yeah. Cheers to the West Coast. Cheers to the West Coast. Yes. Yes. The West Coast is winning by far. Yeah. Like miles and miles ahead of the East Coast. Yeah. So we're going to have to do about a hundred interviews and every single person that's going to have to say East Coast for the East Coast to take away. <laughs> I don't think these guys are not going to do Schwartz-Davidson Law is a Texas-based veteran-friendly law firm. Credit and debt is a big game and one rigged for you to lose. The system's designed to keep you in it, spending money and juggling different types of accounts so lenders feel more comfortable lending you money. Worse credit equals worse rates, and there's no shortage of companies trying to collect. Negative reporting is an attempt to collect a debt. So what happens when a debt collector or credit bureau makes a mistake? What happens when they refuse to fix it? That's when it's time to lawyer up with Schwartz-Davidson Law. Call the folks who started in credit restoration, got a law degree, and have been holding the credit bureau's feet to the fire to protect consumers and help you take hold of your financial future instead of letting the anxiety of it run you. How do you get a debt collector to stop calling? Let them know you've got an attorney. How do you get the best deal on a settlement? With an attorney. You don't have to break the bank to fix your credit or deal with debt collectors. Contact the attorneys at Schwartz Davidson Law for a free consultation and let us go to battle for you. We're here when you need us. Do you have an active duty story you can tell us today? You know, I do. I was thinking about this. I was like, I need to make it good. So I guess what kind of comes to mind, and this is very broad, but I will go in on the story, is when you're overseas or deployed, you kind of like do things that you wouldn't normally do. Like something's borderline unsafe. You're like, we would never do this in America, right? So when I was, yeah, when I was in Iraq, there was a burn pit and I worked for ops. And so sometimes they had flight plans or whatever. And they're like, you have to go burn stuff. Like who burns things? Why didn't we shred them? I don't know. But I was an E4 and another E4 came with me. Her name was Katie. And we were just like wanting to get off of work. You know, we weren't just like, oh yeah, we got to burn stuff. We just wanted to get the hell away from the office. But the army ran the burn pit. And as we got up to, it was like a crater, like this crater where all the stuff was burning. And this army guy in a bulldozer would just flip it over and made sure everything was burned. He gave us a little torch so that we could feel like we were pyromaniacs. We just started burning stuff and we're like, this sucks. We're E4s and we're treated like crap, you know, like, of course, hating life. And we're in Iraq. And I remember I threw like a lit book or something. And all of a sudden, something shot up. And we're in this like kind of crater, you know, like burn pit. And Katie and I just like flew off. Like we thought a missile was coming at us. We thought we were like shots fired. No, there was a freaking soda can in the burn pit that shot up. And when I guess the pressure and the gases, I don't know, but you would have thought we were war heroes. Like we left there feeling like 
we can count encounter anything, but just like thinking of those stories, like in the military, like when else would I ever go to a burn pit in Iraq, you know, in Iraq or what are we doing? It's borderline unsafe. I mean, now I'm like in my mid thirties, I'm like all the stuff I inhaled. I mean, what about all those lawsuits? I have trouble breathing. So I don't know. I just think Were you a part of a burn pit in Iraq and from 2000 to 2020, call us and we'll compensate you because you're a part of this lawsuit. You get get $2.42. Yeah, and then we get the rest of it from the multi-million dollar settlement. Yeah, and then the earplug one, right? Like, geez, we could list all the things. We won't even really know what's wrong. They're like, like another dollar settlement. And then by the time you get a check, it's like, $1.16. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. I truly appreciate that story. And I, I need to hear a story from Germany though. Mm. Well, you know, in Germany, you can drink at 18. Um, It's legal even for military members. So I think my like first or second weekend there, I lived in, we call them the dorms for the Air Force. So, you know, they're the barracks. Of course. Of course oh, I- no, they're dorms. You're yeah. Air Force. I mean, I love you so much, and I'm joy- enjoying all this conversation. I think you're badass, but you were still in the Air Force. I, yes, I was. I was. <laughs> you lived in dorms. But, yes, we lived in dorms, and, you know, girls were like the fresh meat, you know? So they're like, oh, it's time for us to all go drinking. This was the weekend that I decided I will never drink Jose Cuevo ever again because all I know is I woke up in a bathtub, luckily with all my clothes on, and I was just like, what happened? I mean, door was open. I, that's the German stories. If it's not waking up, not knowing what happened, or like ditching a cab, I don't, you didn't have a good night, but it... I could drink at 19, which is probably why I didn't go as crazy once I was 21 because it was already, it had already gone down. That was, I totally get that because I was stationed in Whidbey Island for my first duty station. And so it was just as close to go to Vancouver as it was to go to Seattle. And you only had to be 19 in Vancouver. So we would go spend our days off up in Vancouver. Yeah. Party like rock stars up there. That's that's just like being in San Diego. If you're in San Diego, TJ's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Should have put military bases close to other countries so that (laughs) these young sailors who are 18, 19 years old who can't drink. Although I feel like if you sign your life away, because literally that's what you're doing when you join the military, Mm -hmm. you should be able, you should be able to drink. And now, you know, to smoke, you have to be 21 to buy cigarettes also. And so you're telling me that an 18 year old. Can you imagine being Mm -hmm. like an 18, 19 year old that's been buying cigarettes for a year and then that law goes into effect and then like they can't do it anymore? No, no. That'd be weird. I mean, mean, I'm not a smoker, so I don't even think about it. But like if you're an 18 or 19 year old smoker and then that law went into effect, like what the heck? 
Yeah, that's right. a hard transition. But I think that's just like, but that's just like, you know, you're telling these kids, I mean, essentially we're kids when we join the military. I mean, we're mm-hmm. all kids and, and we are signing on a line that's saying we are the property of the United States government, but you can't drink. You can't, well, now you can't smoke. You can't do A, B, and C. However, you can go over here Put your life on the line. Watch your friends die in front of you. And we're just going to rock on with that. Yeah. Like, it, like to me, if you're in the military and you have your military ID and you want to walk into a VFW or a bar or anywhere, gas station to buy cigarettes, if you have that military ID, your active duty ID, have here's a round on us. And you can buy around for everyone else because you're making that first and 15th paycheck. And we all know it might suck to you, but I mean, I work for the government now and I'd love to get paid on the first and 15th. The fact that you're risking something, you gave away so many things. And yes, it was your choice, but you can't do simple well, like, things. Like dang, let him have a beer. Exactly. Have a beer. Yeah. Case <laughs> of beer. Right. Have you ever woke up in a bathtub? No, but I was going to say, and this is a story that I did not tell in episode one, but we'll tell it now in whatever episode this is going to be about Jose. So my drink of choice used to be tequila. My mm-hmm. liquor of choice was tequila. Mm-hmm. 110%. I would drink it. I would do shots of Jose, of course, with a chaser until I got really effed up and then I could drink it. But I have a story of when I was in San Diego with a handle of Jose, and I decided that I was going to go swimming naked in the Pacific Ocean because uh, I was stationed in San Diego and we were at the beach drinking. So, and I, and I wasn't even, tw- again, I'm not 21. Well, like right. I'm, oh no. If you weren't 21, I wasn't there. <sighs> I, no, I wasn't at North Island yet. I was. I, this is before I got officially, no, I was on the boat and we, um, I had, I made some friends. I made some ET friends. I know those. That's right. That's uh-huh. right. Are you an electronics technician? Yes. I worked with ETs and IT, so I know those. <laughs> so I, but they helped us. I mean, they were important to us as air traffic controllers. They would come into our, they oh, would come on. An ET. To- yeah, an electronics technician. The ETs. I, oh, I thought you said AT. No, E.T. Oh, E.T. Yeah. So I had become friends with them from them coming into our space on the boat, even though I was still, I mean, and I was, I wasn't on the boat very long anyway, but I had made friends and whatever. And so when we, because I had said I flew onto the boat and then when we pulled back in, so I had made all the, I had made friends in the short time that I was Mm -hmm. on the boat while we were out. So we went to the beach and I had a handle a handle of Jose and it was about third of the way gone. And I decided I was going to go swimming in the Pacific ocean naked and quickly rescued from the ocean because none of them thought it was a good idea for me to go even close to the water. Right. But then get out there a little bit. So yeah, I drank Jose for a long time. A long time, but I, I'm not a big tequila drinker now. It used to be my go-to liquor for anything. And now I've become cultured and I can drink any kind of liquor. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yes, so my my story with Jose is yes, I went swimming naked in the Pacific Ocean and then was rescued. And I re- oh, I had the worst hangover. I was 19. I might have been 20 by then, but I wasn't 21 yet. And I remember being in the car after they got me out and I wanted a cigarette, a Marlboro Lot. So it wasn't menthol and I smoked menthols. It was not a menthol, it was a Marlboro Light and I lit it and it smelled like tequila. And I was like, oh, I yeah. can't do this. We're done. Let's, let's just get somewhere to where I can throw up by myself. <laughs> not yeah. In the ocean. I think tequila yeah. is like instant memory of the time, you know, pe- most people almost die, you know, yes, it's just like I instant. Yes. yes. I mean, I literally was about to die. I was about to drown in the Pacific ocean. And fortunately there were that they were not sober, but they were more sober than I was. That's all that matters. To save me and I didn't have to perish. Yeah. You weren't shark bait that night. Good. It was not shark bait. Shark bait. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This is a good this is a good conversation tonight. <laughs> this is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> All right, Cynthia. So it always comes to a point where we have to leave those good memories behind and transition from active duty to being a veteran. How was your transition? It was tough. I I actually was um med boarded, so it went on for like a year that my med board was happening and just trying to figure out what, how my health, like it, could I get better? Could I deploy? So I had made E7 in the Air Force. It's a master sergeant, just shy of 14 oh, years. Here's the you being a master sergeant. Thank you. <laughs> but you know, that's what made it hard is... I mean, I joined, like I said, in 02. So I would right now be in 18 years if I was still in. I wouldn't even be at retirement. And so the med board came to, we're medically retiring you. And all of a sudden I was like, what is my identity? You know, because I think a lot of military members who think they want to serve and and have a career, it becomes part of their identity. And, and I worry that that is the piece that is the hardest for everybody is now figuring out who they are and what are their contributions and, and who are they to their family and, and money, so many things. So it was, it was tough, but luckily I had a lot of mentors who always told me, you're, never, you're not going to wear this uniform forever. So I had finished my bachelor's using TA in 2011. So even though I retired in 2016, I had already had my bachelor's and I used my, my GI bill to get a master's from UW. And so, you know, I kind of just set myself up, but it was still hard. And and I still, I feel like there are times I still miss it. I I think that (laughs) even someone, because I, I didn't join, I mean, like I said, I wasn't from a military family. Mm -hmm. I had no intentions of ever joining the military. I mean, I said before, I took my ASVAB in 10th grade to get out of class. I didn't take my ASVAB to plan on getting a score for military, a military future. But even for someone who didn't, I didn't, I didn't like the military. I mean, I, I didn't, I loved my job. I absolutely, absolutely loved being an air traffic controller. I Mm -hmm. love talking to airplanes. 
I loved the people I was around. But as far as me ever making that a career was not, I didn't get to do the things I thought I was going to do when I joined. Didn't get the pink comer. I didn't, I mean, I didn't travel the world. I didn't go places. And then I got pregnant. I was married, got pregnant and was on shore duty. And then it came down to, we were dual military and it came down to what's your game plan. And I was like, fixing to go through a divorce and I was not about to let my baby go with his daddy. And that's the reason I got out because I was going to have to deploy. I was going to have to do the things. And I didn't get out because I didn't want to do those things. It was strictly, I, I became, it was mom mode. Um, but even for me, someone who wasn't going to make the military a career, it was still, like you said, where do you find yourself now in the real world? What is your identity? What are you going to do? Where do you fit in? How do you adjust? Because the civilian world and anyone who has never been in the military doesn't understand. And it's not not understanding if you were deployed and experienced hard stuff, but there is a strict regimen when you're in the military. And whether you're in the Air Force or you're in the Navy or you're in the Marine Corps, you still have the same A, B, C, D lifestyle where you're being told what to do, you're expected things. And so civilians, they do not have that. Like They don't. That's not. It is. So even for someone who wasn't planning on spending their career in the military, I did my five years and got out. You still have that what do I do now type, yeah. of, type of mindset? Like what, what do you do? Right. Yeah, that's so hard. I'm still trying to figure it out. I've been out. I mean, I, I am too. And I've had to like, think about, I mean, we've talked before about how, you know, the military is 15 minutes prior to 15 minutes and then you're still not on time yeah. in, in civilian world. You can show up seven minutes late, but you're still on time when you clock in to start your job. That's one of the things that I've had had to adjust to. And I have allowed myself to, I can show up to work at eight o'clock over time. I have forced myself to do that though, Mm -hmm. because I don't have the complete military discipline mindset of I did for a long time. I don't now. I mean, I've been Mm -hmm. out for 11 years, so God Dang, that makes me feel old. <laughs> I still have it. Like, I have a hard time with being late. I have a hard time when other people are late. I get irritated really easily when people are late. It's just so great. Well, and it doesn't help that I left the military and went to work for the railroad where I was working on minutes and seconds still. Mm-hmm. So it's the first 15 years of my adult life, time was so critical. And so now but I'm because- like, I'll be there in seven minutes. And people are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Because it's going to happen. That's why I'll yeah. be there. there in seven minutes. <laughs> but it's just for someone who plan like, so you, Cynthia, you plan on, you were going to, you were a lifer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, and I, you know, I joined at 18 and it, it worked out for me, you know, and it doesn't for everybody, right? Like I had great assignments. Yeah. I had deployments, Iraq, Afghanistan, Qatar, but overall I felt great about my experiences, got my bachelor's completely with T. I mean, all the things that they're like, work for it. Right. Um, 
it worked for me. And I know that's not for everybody. And so because of that, even going through a med board, I was still doing what I needed to do for, to promote. And then I got promoted and then they were just like, wait a minute now. And, and there have been times where you're like, am I really just a number on a paper? You know, and that's so hard, right? Cause we work so hard and it's like, Oh, it stings. So yeah, I a hundred percent would have stayed. I would have still been in right now if I could have. Yeah. Then you wouldn't be talking to us though. And we would have been missing out on this badass. Interview. <laughs> <laughs> right. True. Everything True. happens for a reason. For sure. Yeah. Things are good. Things are are great. They're great. So that leads us into our next question. And that is, how are you doing now? Well, I'm great. I actually work for a nonprofit here in Washington. I'm the IT director, which I will say, you know, I, I worried about like, oh my gosh, can I really do this? I know I did this in the military, but what about on the civilian side? But yeah, so I work um, at a nonprofit. I had, like I said, I finished my master's completely paid for no student debt or anything like that no, and I will that i'm not cheersing myself but i will cheers you to, cheers no, to student. no student debt mm-hmm. and using yes. the resources yes. to your advantage yeah i'm i mean it was it worked out great and i love washington you know home is where we make it right we learned that really really quick in the military and so mm-hmm. yeah. and things are good i i am um, so grateful for the experiences. Are you able to tell us about the nonprofit that you work for? Yeah, yeah, it's called the Children's Therapy Center. So again, I do IT, but what our staff does is they're speech, physical, and occupational therapists for children with special needs. So this pandemic has had me work on a lot of projects. They, um, a lot of those kids, they have you know some health issues sometimes, and we wanted to make sure that they were careful because. Washington was considered patient zero for the cope for COVID. So we shut down. And so, um, you know, I, when I took over the position, I pushed zoom out so that they can continue having uh, therapy sessions over telehealth. And yeah, so it more than ever has just like shown us what we needed to do for many organizations, but especially ours. So very, very happy to be a part of a a group of people who really impact the lives of of kids and stuff. That's amazing. So if you had advice for either service members that are getting ready to become veterans or those that have been struggling to find their way, what advice would that be? You know, I would say network. I really appreciate you all just putting yourself out there in that veterans group. I love those veteran veterans groups and I love reaching out and helping. Today, I got a message from an airman I used to work with and he was trying to look for a job and I was like, use me as a reference. Uh, and I knew who was the hiring manager. So luckily he, he was like, I just started yesterday. I got the job. So I'm all about networking, building those relationships. We have to have each other's back because regardless of the branch of service that we're in, we're all a family. We know, we just kind of get it. And so I would say network, be open uh, to learn and, and, and just always look for opportunities. Even this, this was out of my comfort zone, but I was like, no, if I have one thing that I say that maybe helps someone, I'm, I'm all for it. You're totally killing this though. Like you're, oh, no. she you're, did too. She sent me a message. You're a little Air Force badass. She was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> Like, it'll be fine. (laughs) We absolutely want you as a guest. And she was like, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> but she had a moment and I was like, no, don't even go there. <laughs> I did. I just was like, oh, there's all these people are way more interesting. But um, no, I appreciate the platform. I appreciate you guys doing this because, you know, reading and hearing to a lot of what you all say in these podcasts, you, we just don't realize what we're doing, extending that hand to those people just to talk. And that's so important. So I appreciate both of you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate much time together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's the thing with Amanda and I starting this is that, yes, we want to bring out veteran suicide awareness. We want to bring out mental health awareness, like, because those are big, important things. Because if something tragic happens, we lose part of our family. Yeah. But we also don't need to, when we're talking to someone, they don't have to have mental health issues. They don't have to have suicidal ideations. But the fact that they're willing to talk and be available and share their stories allows Amanda and I to share that with everyone else. As cookie cutter as we are being in the military and as no matter what branch you're in, you're still brought up in a certain way. However, we're still all individuals. We're still all unique. We still all go through different things. We all have different jobs. We're all doing different stuff. We come from different backgrounds. And to be able to share every single person's story, someone somewhere is going to relate to someone's story that we talk to. Yeah. And that is to the core why Amanda and I are doing this. Yeah. We're not professional podcasters. Like <laughs> we just started no idea what we were doing. Like we, we're never going to know. We're never going to be professional, <laughs> but we're always going to be real as shit. Yeah. We're always going to be here for any single person that we talk to and any single person that listens to us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no matter what the network that we've already created and we're just starting is so incredible. Like we've met so many cool people and we've connected with so many veterans that we wouldn't normally get to connect with. And we're developing programs that are allowing the veterans that we're getting to know to get to know the veterans that we're getting to know. And it's humbling and truly amazing. Like what's happened on this platform just within the last two months. Cause we've only, we're only two months in. So it's, oh, it's crazy because this, this isn't even going to come out until January. I know. No yeah. one is even going to hear what we're doing right now until January. Yeah. And all the stories we're going to hear between now and then. It's incredible. And just, I, and, and Amanda and I growing though too and learning and mm -hmm. and developing these relationships with I mean I already know that I have this veteran community family right here mm -hmm. but our podcast has allowed it to be here and for Amanda to be able to know that we can reach out to any one of y'all anytime any one of our listeners yeah. can reach out to anyone anytime on our hangouts and all of us bonding then and are we creating something in the hangouts that's professional? Hell no, we ain't professional in our hangouts. <laughs> <No>. but, <laughs> but we are creating a friendship that was pre-existing. Yeah. I mean, there was already 
a connection. There was already something between every single person that we've talked to because we're nurturing a network and friendships that are, are irreplaceable. Yeah. I a hundred percent believe that. And again, it's across all the branches because it's less than what percent of, you know, citizens join the military. It's such a small percentage. So it makes me want to just cling to other, you know, veterans. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Amazing. I ain't going to call you ma'am because you ain't an officer, but I'm going to call you ma'am anyway because I live in Texas and that's how we roll. <laughs> and, you know, in the Air Force, we call everyone ma'am, <laughs> regardless if you're officer or not. Be in the Navy, if you called someone that was not an officer, sir, ma'am, they'd be like, what? Oh, you like, you no, know, I work. I work for a living. I work. Amanda, <laughs> Amber, I got chewed out by Navy. Actually, you know, and I didn't tell you, a senior chief gave me his rank in Afghanistan. And I didn't know what that meant because we don't do that in the Air Force. But he was like, I want you to eventually hit this this position. Or I, I don't know, I think, but I still have it. It was his his it's anchor, anchor with, uh, with, the, um, yeah, with the star. And uh-huh. but. Now, Navy was the hardest branch to like know their rank. I'm like, how do you mix your job with your with your grade? It's called a rate. And I worked with ITs. So, but by the end of that deployment, I was like, hey, IT2, I need you to do this, or IT1, or ET2, or HM1, SK4, SK1. I was like, geez, you guys are confusing. And that's our culture. So it's not confusing to us at all. But like, Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, like all those are so confusing to me. I'm sure they are to Amber too. And then like, we're learning about the Army and all the different numbers they have for jobs. Oh, yes. The Army is so confusing. And my brother was in the Army, so I'm like extra like, what? 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 When they start talking numbers, I feel like that emoji with the blown up head. Blown. Like, hey, we're getting the 11 series down. Yeah, we got 11 Bravo. You got 11 Bravo. That's it. Says 11 Bravo. I say, I'm not messing with you. <laughs> you are crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> let's go, let's go have a drink because I bet you're fun. <laughs> Bless the infantry. Without them, we would be nothing. Hey, well, cheers to 11 Bravo in the army. Cheers, cheers. to 11 Bravo. Those badasses. We need them. For sure. All right. So if our listeners would like to contact you or just have questions or whatever the case might be, where can they find you? Well, you know, I can be found on Facebook, but LinkedIn, because again, I'm all about empowering and and making sure people have opportunities. So if I think I took a screenshot and send it to you all so that if you can share it for sure, find me on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with whoever may, may want to chat or, or anything like that. Perfect. So we will put Cynthia's LinkedIn profile into our show notes so that if anyone would like to contact her, they can find her through her LinkedIn profile. Scale Executive Search is a veteran-owned and operated search firm serving aerospace tech and startups. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. Amber, do you want to talk a little bit about this charity we've chosen to support this episode? Sure. So we are supporting until June, the Fallen Outdoors, which is 
a veteran-owned, operated, created organization that takes veterans, no matter your status, as long as you had an honorable discharge, and they are across the country, will take you on a hunting or fishing trip. You don't have to be a combat veteran. You don't have to be a wounded warrior. You don't have to be, if you need that community that connection that that we talked about, they will take you. Only stipulation is that you have an honorable discharge. Doesn't matter male, female, what era you served in, when you served, how long you served. If you get a hold of them, they will take you out and they will take you hunting or fishing. And that is the Fallen Outdoors. And you can learn more about them and hook yourself up with some resources with them at thefallenoutdoors.com. So you can also check out our merch. Amanda will have that link in our show notes where you can purchase a shirt or anything to represent Veterans Drinking Vodka and support our podcast. And a portion of all of our sales from that go to the Fallen Outdoors. And we are also still and will always continue to support Till Valhalla Project. So if you have questions or want to get the hookup, you can get a hold of Amanda or myself. We do have koozies and stickers. Mm-hmm. We do have koozies on top of our uh, they're they're not available through our merch store. So if you would like a koozie or a sticker, contact us directly. If you would like to find us, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka, or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Please please reach out. If you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast, you can send us an email at the email address that Amanda just mentioned, or you can direct message us on any of the social media platforms. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. We love your criticism constructively. And also by leaving a review and letting us know what you think, it helps with the podcast world algorithms so that our podcast can reach more people. And you can also, and Cynthia, I hope you do, join us Sunday nights for Veterans After Hours. We do that on Zoom and we start at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hang out, stories, share resources, and meet new friends. We do have to put the disclaimer out there that everyone is welcome, civilian, active duty, veteran. We are inviting everyone to come join us, but it is an unscripted live Zoom networking event, and the primary guests are veterans. And when you put a bunch of veterans in a room together, we can't always guarantee what's going to happen. As always, and why Amanda and I are doing this is to bring about mental health awareness in veterans in the veteran community and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day, whether that number fluctuates month to month, year to year, veteran suicide is a a number that shouldn't even be a number. And 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers.